Hey folks, this is Wes Colton with the Introvert Unbound Podcast. For this episode, I want to talk about facing your fears as an introvert. If you are an introvert and you're working on your social life, you are probably constantly in fear. All right, that's an exaggeration. But you are regularly pushing your comfort zone, right? Because there are a lot of things that are difficult for us. We don't necessarily want to go out at night. (laughs) We don't necessarily want to indulge in small talk. We are afraid of talking to strangers, all sorts of things like that. And that might be a generalization, but I would say for the most part, we introverts are a bit anxious about dealing with these aspects. And of course, we all know the longer we put off a fear, the bigger it gets. So this episode, I'm going to talk a bit about a specific instance in my life where I confronted one of my fears. And I hope it can be inspirational. I'm still processing it. It's more just me documenting what I went through because I haven't really thought about it a ton. And it's not directly related to socializing, but I would say it is actually far more difficult than any of the times that I have made myself socialize and get over social phobias. I would say that pushing back against this fear was one of the hardest things I ever did. And to me, it now shows that, well, maybe I can't do anything, but I can come up against pretty much any challenge and rise to the occasion. So basically, here's the situation. I haven't gotten into an airplane for 19 years. Haven't flown. I used to fly when I was younger. Wasn't a big deal, but then as I got older and became more neurotic or something like that, I became way more nervous about it to the point where, yeah, I was kind of terrified the whole time on the plane. No one could really tell because I'm good at masking my emotions, but it was not pleasant. And if it was just three, five hours of terror, that's one thing. But it would be the anxiety in advance for weeks sometimes leading up to the trip. And there was a trip I took to Ireland. It was right after college. And went on the plane, made it through, whatever. The whole time I was in Ireland, all I could do was really think about I had to fly back. I would have all these dreams about, oh, I'm still on the other side of the ocean. And... After that trip back, even though it was uneventful, wasn't like anything happened on the plane, I was like, you know what? If I can cut this aspect out of my life, I'm going to do it. And I did that. For 19 years, I didn't get in a plane. So that meant, of course, I wasn't going overseas, which was fine because, frankly, I'm content with being in North America for right now. And I am a bit of an environmentalist, so I could pretend to myself, oh, look, I'm preventing all these carbon emissions. And that's good, but the reality is I was just afraid. And I traveled across country a lot. I moved several times across country. I've been all around up to Canada and just many states, but I always took the train or I drove. So I got used to Amtrak. I liked Amtrak. There's nothing wrong with Amtrak other than the fact that it does take a long time and there are lots of delays. And the delays are because... The freight trains, they own the lines out west. And so if you miss a connection or you miss an opening, rather, for the time frame, you just have to wait and it could be hours. Sometimes it would be 12-hour delays. It got to the point where it was getting annoying. And 
also, you know, you get a bit of a sore back being on a train for three days and all that sort of hubbub. And yeah, as an introvert, right, you got to be around people for three days. I got used to it, but so here's what was going on. My grandfather was 98 years old and he was ailing and I knew he would pass eventually, right? And so I was basically preparing myself. I might fly on an airplane. I might do it. I could still take the train, even if I heard about his passing. But the thing about Jewish families is that you bury people really quickly. So I knew I'd only have a few days. And so basically what I was doing over the last few years is I was sort of gearing myself up to this, I guess. And the way I was doing that was I was desensitizing myself to my particular fears, which in some ways, I guess, was a little bit of claustrophobia. Not really. I mean, I don't want to be buried alive, but I, I'm not hugely claustrophobic, but I definitely didn't use to like elevators, and I'm still not a huge fan of elevators, but I don't really get that nervous in them anymore because I made myself just go in elevators a lot more. I would take the stairs a lot of times, and so I dealt with it that way. My fear of heights, well, I made myself drive a lot of well, mountain highways, but particularly taking these switchback roads that are pretty insane. Some of the most intense ones in the country out in Utah and then driving places in Colorado here. So I made myself do that a lot. And yeah, it kind of made me nervous, but I actually have a video I put together of me driving up one of these switchbacks. And the moral was, it's never as bad as my, you know, preparation made it out to be or thinking about it in advance, that was way worse than just doing it. And so over time, I learned I could push my fears and I could come out on top and I'd feel great afterwards. And frankly, come on, it's not like this stuff is that dangerous anyway. This is not to belittle anyone's social phobias, anxiety or anything like that. And I'm obviously not a doctor and I'm not saying that you should just listen to this and you'll conquer all your fears. Some people might need medication. Some people might need therapy, all sorts of things like that. Do what you think works best for you. But I also like the common sense approach and doing the easiest thing first. And in some ways, it might be this. So that's why I'm sharing it. So I was dealing with these issues over the years, also hiking at the edge of things. So basically, my new rule for hikes is on something that would scare me which was basically a sheer drop-off, I'd have to go through the first one of those. Then if another one came up, I could turn around. So that made it so I had limits, but I made myself push beyond what would have been my natural comfort zone. And pretty much all the times it was fine. You know, the one time I remember I had to crawl on my belly, but I did it and all of this built me up. So then when I heard, oh, I guess before getting into that, since I knew the flight was coming up, I Went to the doctor some other time I was at the doctor and I asked him, hey, would there be any anti-anxiety meds I can take for my flight in case I get on an airplane? And they prescribed me four, and I don't remember what they're called. And um, I had asked him, yeah, because I remember years ago I had hernia surgery and before the surgery, for some reason, they gave me an anti-anxiety thing. And I still remember to this day, like, I wasn't nervous at all. I was like, oh, cool, I'm getting surgery, whatever. Whereas normally, yeah, I would be pretty nervous. So I was thinking, yeah, I want whatever that is. So I had my four pills. And so then, you know, my grandfather was ailing and it seemed like he was going to pass. And then he sprung back. But then 
he was on his way out and then he did pass away. And I was, of course, going to go to the funeral. There was no way I wasn't going to go to the funeral. My grandfather meant a lot to me. I was the eldest grandson. Uh, I, I was. I wrote a speech. I was going to go. I could have taken the train. So I had that option, right? Because it was going to be three days later. I could have gotten on the train. But basically, at this point, it wasn't a matter of I had to get on the plane. That would have been a lot easier for just there was no other option but to get on the plane or I would have missed the funeral. I probably would have made it. There could have been a delay and then it would have messed me up, but then I could have rented a car or I could have taken a plane for that last leg. So basically, this was a voluntary decision. I was like, you know what? I'm sick and tired of avoiding this. People fly all the time. It's not that dangerous. I need to stop being such a coward. And frankly, also, it was just the inconvenience of having to take the train for days and knowing that, all right, if I'm going to take the train for days, I'll probably stick around back east for family for longer. And I didn't want to do that. So I wanted to take a train like your average, or sorry, take a plane like your average person. I'm like, I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to do this. I can do this. And yeah, so I had my pills and everything like that. And then the, of course, I was getting a bit anxious coming up to it, but not too bad because over the years, I've just gotten better at regulating that. I meditate, things like that. And so that morning of taking the train, so I took an Uber to the light rail and then to the airport. I hadn't been to on a plane since before 9-11. So I hadn't experienced all this security stuff. And so I had to go through all that. I basically decided I'm not going to take my anti-anxiety meds unless I need to. I'm just not going to do it. And here's how I really made it so I could do this. I told myself rightfully. This is not some crazy dangerous base jumping or ice climbing, right? This is the safest mode of travel. So statistically speaking, the most dangerous part of my trip was the Uber lift drive to the light rail or taking the light rail or anytime I got on an Amtrak, that was actually way more dangerous. So I, at least I had facts on my side. So that's a way that this can apply, of course, to your social situation where, oh, I'm nervous about talking to somebody. I'm nervous about going out. What is the worst thing that is going to happen? Nothing. Literally nothing bad is going to happen to you. You might freak out, and so you'd be embarrassed about freaking out, but nothing actually is going to happen to you. You're not going to die. You're not even going to be injured. There's nothing that's going to happen to you. So that's what I reminded myself, and that was really important. You know, all the planes that are constantly going up and down, they're not crashing. You hear about every time a plane crashes. It's not that big a deal. Basically, it wasn't the fear of dying. It's that fear of plummeting to your death for many minutes. And frankly, also, it's just the going up there and thinking you're going to die. And then just all this stuff that can happen in terms of just the fear. So it's like being afraid of fear itself, that whole FDR quote. It still holds true. It's kind of true. We're The only thing to fear is fear itself. And I was afraid of fear. So maybe we should change that. Stop being afraid of fear itself. Does that make sense? I don't know. So there I was at the airport and I was wearing my sunglasses inside just because it gave me a little bit more of shelter. And then if my eyes were bugging out, which they weren't, I could feel a little bit less viewed by others or less judged. And got on the plane, it was smaller than I remembered planes being. I was like, man, should I have gone on a bigger plane? But I specifically chose an airline that no fatalities had happened. So I was like, all right, if, if I die, I'm the first person to ever die on this airline. 
I'll at least be in the history books. And got on the plane. I picked an aisle seat. Luckily, I was one of the first people there because that was the only ticket that was available. It was the more expensive one where I got to pick. And mostly that was good because I wasn't cramped in there. I didn't have to be near that damn window and looking out at the horror that is being eight miles in the sky. But more also, I have really long legs and it was just more comfortable to be able to stretch them out a little bit to the side if I needed to. So I went on and I put my noise-canceling headphones on and... I waited for the plane to take off. And so we gradually moved forward and I'm like, oh man, here, here, this is happening. And then rolling faster and faster and faster and then take it off. I was in the air for the first time in almost 20 years. And I was listening to music and that helped. It definitely helped. You know, things were swooping and dipping and I did not like that. I tried to remember, hey, you're in a car or you're in a train and it swoops and dips more than that but it doesn't swoop and dip up and down. And I don't like roller coasters. So it was definitely an experience I did not love, but I was doing it. We were going up. Okay, this is the hardest part. Once it gets to cruising, I know it's not that big of a deal. And then when it starts descending, for some reason all my anxieties go away, which is another thing that's irrational. I am typically afraid of the part where it's the least dangerous. Sorry, yeah. So the most dangerous part is liftoff, which, all right, that does frighten me. But then landing, but I don't mind landing because it just makes sense being closer to the ground. It's just kind of being up in the sky that scares me. So we got up there and it was climbing and it was a little bit bizarre, but I had my music on and everything seemed to be going fine. And weirdly, there was a baby a couple seats away and that helped mostly because, you know, I guess part of it was like, oh, they wouldn't take a baby, but it was more just like, if we go down, the tragedy will be that this baby dies and not me. So that sort of helped curb my ego a little bit. And also, you know, seeing kids and just random elderly people, I'm like, they can handle this. Why am I such a coward that I can't handle this? And part of it is this, part of why I had built up the fear, and I'll get back to what went on the plane, but part of why I was so afraid is because over the years I had funneled all my fears into this one fear. Now I definitely have some anxiety about health related stuff. So that that's something that I can get anxious about. I'm pretty good about it, but that's definitely a thing that gets me anxious. Other things really don't. I'm not afraid of being murdered or attacked. I go out into the wilderness, into the desert alone, into, into snow blizzards where there's bears and rattlesnakes. I don't, I'm not really afraid of that stuff. So it's not like I am a very frightened person all the time. But that airplane stuff freaked me out. And so what I would do anytime there was something that was inconvenient or slightly make me nervous, I would say, hey, I'm not on an airplane. And that helped for those situations. But what it did is I was feeding this beast until it became a monster. Because I would always find, at least it's not an airplane. And then it's like, oh, you know that horrible thing that you always said, at least I'm not doing? Well, now you're going to do it. And so there I was up in the sky. And yeah, we got to that cruising altitude. And frankly, it was fine. For some reason, anytime there was a turbulence, I didn't like that. And it was not terrible turbulence, but we had some. But here's the clincher. So we were descending into a storm, of course. I was like, of course there'd be a giant storm. And I had looked at it 
prior to leaving and it was called a bomb storm or something. I was like, yeah, great. And there were other flights canceled to that area. So this is in the East Coast, but our flight was not canceled. But basically maybe an hour before we landed, it started getting a bit bumpy and like the pilot said, it's probably going to be like this the whole rest of the way. And I was like, okay, well, let's get one of the worst rides out of the way, I guess. And these planes, these 737s are smaller than the ones that I was on years ago. And so they definitely bump more. But basically what I did was this. I put on this defiant heavy metal. It wasn't really dark stuff. It's kind of, it's almost this jubilant stuff. Their band is called Green Lung, if you're interested. And they some reason listening to that that defiant spirit really helped me and it energized me and as we were starting to descend and bucking through all that turbulence i did little mini headbanging you know not really headbanging but kind of nodding my head and moving my upper body a little bit and that motion calmed me and it also counteracted the turbulence a little bit so it didn't feel like every time there was a bump that my stomach was dropping down into my feet and that helped and we were descending and descending bumping all around i found out later it was only really moderate turbulence but to me it was pretty crappy and you know i occasionally would peek out the window to the side and it was just all gray overcast so i didn't know how close we were and it seemed like it was taking forever to get down and then finally you know we leveled out a little bit and we hit ground and that feeling of relief oh man i don't even know i can compare it to anything else there are a few things that i've done where oh, i did it i went out and talked to somebody or i made this thing happen or even i drove up those switchbacks this was like 10 times that it was worth it for that alone i guess because oh man the relief that i felt was Oh, it was tremendous to be back on the ground, right? And part of me was like, I might not ever go up into a plane again, but I also knew eh, you're, you're going to fly back this way. You're going to do it, dude. You did this. You did it. And I did it. And yeah, in some ways that's pathetic. Oh, you did the thing that millions of people are constantly doing and is just the normal way to travel now? Yeah, well, guess what? For me, that was really, really hard. It was really, really hard. It was like a person who cannot stand spiders you know, handling a spider or what, somebody who is afraid of sharks swimming with sharks. It was similar to that. It really was. And even though the risk wasn't necessarily high, my terror was real. And I made that decision to deal with it. And I dealt with it using my rational mind to explain to me, you're going to be fine. And then frankly, I've been delving into more Buddhism stuff. And so I think less and less that I exist. And so I'm less clinging to my life. So there's that too. That's helpful as well. Just caring less, but not in a nihilistic way, but just knowing that all of this is an illusion anyway, and there's no point in getting all worked up about it. But you know, people kept asking me, you know, family members, you went on an airplane, really? And they were saying, you know, oh, we were taking bets on whether we get on the plane. And part of me was like, fuck you. But I get it. You know, I, I had that in many ways, irrational fear, phobia. And, but I dealt with it. 
And I, I don't want to belittle those who take substances to deal with certain things, but I didn't take my pills and I didn't even have a drink. And the reason for that was kind of random, mostly because I already decided not to drink in October and I followed through with that. I don't know. I should. Here's the thing. I'm going to drink the next time I get on a plane. I am going to have a couple drinks that that I'm fine with. I'm not somebody who never drinks alcohol. I just wanted to stick to my guns. And frankly, I guess I wanted to really see if I could do it without any aid. Because that's the way I'd done a lot of social stuff where for years I would practice by going to the bars and most, the vast majority of the time, almost always, I would not drink. Because yeah, of course, I can go out and have three drinks and chat people at the bar, big deal. But can you do that stone cold sober? And so I did this stone cold sober. I proved it to myself for whatever that's worth. Uh, in the future, I will probably have one to two drinks before I get up there and probably another one in the plane. Um, I don't know if I want to mess with the pharmaceuticals. I know what alcohol does to me, at least. I don't know what that other stuff does to my brain. But anyway, on the, you know, went to the funeral and, you know, did the things we needed to do and saw people. And of course, as the days progressed towards my trip back, I was like, you, you can take the train back. But I kind of knew I was going to fly and I decided to fly. And yeah, I got a little bit nervous that last day. Not terrible, but, but nervous. And... I, um, yeah, I, I was also, my introvert battery was completely drained because I was around people a lot. And so there was actually a period where I had like this brief moment of panic, which I hadn't felt, I don't even know, in years. And I don't know if that was, I think it was a combination of my introvert battery was just toast and also the fact that that impending panic and then maybe even the trauma of having been on the plane. But then what I did is I just, I went and meditated and I felt fine afterwards. And, uh, I also hadn't exercised much. I did some exercise and I felt, I felt fine after that, but that's the other thing. So I got back on the plane and I did some meditation. So I did that on the plane right in. I forgot to mention that as well. So that was just some basic breathing stuff, just focusing on my breath and that's what I did the whole time, like calming breath. So even if it's you're not getting into deep meditation, you are at least calming your body and your body just calms down because if you're taking these gradual breaths, your body's like, oh, everything is fine. And it's funny because years ago, I realized that's what I did on airplanes. I taught myself to meditate because I just wanted to zone out and not be... You know, even that you're not zoning out, you're being present, but focusing on the breath rather than focusing on your fears. So I'd actually developed that technique 20 years prior, and I'd only really started meditating for real over the last 10 years. But meditation, I really should have mentioned that. And that's important too. And I think, frankly, it's the meditation that's really helped just calm my brain in general and learn, taught me to be able to step outside of my fears. So that's what went on. I don't want to fly again real soon. I'll probably fly again, I guess. Definitely going to take some time off. Who knows? Maybe I'll never get on a plane again. But it was worth it, and I, I did it. And I, that was one of the biggest things that I've confronted. That was one of my biggest fears. And I'm trying to think of other fears that I could really confront that would be bigger than that. You know, swimming in shark-infested waters. I mean, I swim in the ocean. I don't deliberately go out where sharks are. I think that's just reckless. You know, I, I've done other things 
but yeah, that, that was probably the biggest thing that I've ever done in terms of confronting a fear directly. And I'm not some Superman, you know, I'm as neurotic as any of you, maybe even more so in some ways, but I've worked on these different aspects of myself and I didn't accept that I always had to be a certain way. And frankly, in many ways, I don't accept certain limitations. I think there are certain limitations that we have and then there are certain self-imposed limitations. The idea that I couldn't get on a plane, no. That's, that was me making that decision and so I decided otherwise and there you have it. You can do it too. I did it. I hope I can keep doing things like that and I intend to and that was the message for the day. Hope you found it useful. If you're laughing that my big thing was getting on a plane, you know what? That actually helps because I want people to tell me when there is no real risk in something. And I don't want them to coddle my fears. And I don't want them to say, oh, I totally understand. You know, I, I, it's important to have compassion and empathy for people. And I do, and I always do for my clients, of course. But at the same time, Maybe that's not the best thing for us always. Maybe sometimes we need somebody, even if it's just ourselves, saying, you know what? You're being a little bit of a wimp right now. This is not going to kill you. And you know what? If it does kill you, it's not the end of the world either. Hey, folks, this is Wes Colton, coach, CEO, and founder of Introvert Unbound. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and got something out of it. And I hope you stay tuned for future episodes by subscribing on Podbean, iTunes, or however else you found us. If you yourself are an introvert and resonate with our message, I also recommend you go to introvertunbound.com and sign up for our free monthly email newsletter with our latest articles, videos, and other introvert-related stuff. And if you're really looking to level up your dating, social, and work life, email me at introvertunbound at gmail.com for your free half-hour, zero-obligation online consult to help you come up with a game plan to harness your strengths, shore up your weaknesses, and become the Introvert Unbound.